Hello everyone and welcome back to Air Magique. Let's talk about all things from the most magical place in Europe. I'm Eric Anderson and this is the episode for the third week of March. Yes, today we'll be talking all about the fascinating history of It's a Small World at Disneyland Paris. But first, some park news. We've got some new magical pride details, which is the first ever official pride event happening at any Disney park around the world. And it will be at Disneyland Paris on June 1st, 2019. Disney announced the musical headliners for the event. We're going to get to party with Years and Years, who are especially well known for their singles such as King and Shine, as well as the 80s French disco queen Corrine. <laughs> that rhymes. Good job, Corrine. Disco queen Corrine. As well as Boy George, <laughs> do we need to say any more, who's going to be playing his DJ set in front of the rainbow lit Tower of Terror. Magical Pride is going to be so much fun, you guys. In other news, Disneyland Paris has announced a price increase for its annual passes beginning on April 2nd. The price increase affects all the annual pass categories, so if you've been playing around with the idea of, you know, getting a hold of one of those shiny annual pass cards, now would be a great time to do so. <laughs> you can still rock the more affordable prices all the way up until April 2nd. What's going to happen then? The Discovery Pass's current price is 149 euros, and it's going to increase to 179 euros. The Magic Flex Pass is going from 219 euros to 259 euros. The Magic Plus Pass is going to go from 259 euros to 299 euros. And last but not least, the most important one, the Infinity Pass, which allows you to go as much as you want, is going to go from 399 to 449 euros. Oof, ouch. <laughs> Our poor wallets, you guys. Especially with the Infinity Pass, that's a 50 euro increase. Wow. In more positive news, we've got some new details on the Marvel Season of Superheroes 2019, which will be running in the parks from the 23rd of March to the 16th of June. The Stark Expo show will be returning to the production courtyard over at Walt Disney Studios, and along with new characters and a new soundtrack, pretty much doubles the show's running time, which makes this a 20-minute show now. <laughs> wow. The outdoor show is going to run several times a day. Park goers will get to experience Black Widow, Thor, and Spider-Man as they battle it out against the mischievous Loki. New this year will be Captain Marvel, who's going to join in on the action, as well as Steve Rogers' old foe Red Skull, who will be looking to take down the Avengers right in the midst of the action. Our darlings Star-Lord and Gamora from Guardians of the Galaxy will also be back with their awesome dance-off show, so we can all save the Earth while doing the stanky leg to some classic rock and pop tunes. Oh, and Groot is going to join in the show this year as well. <laughs> I love some baby Groot, you guys, the cutest thing ever. But I'm guessing they're going to do a costume Groot. We'll see. I'm, I'm excited to see what they do here. Yes, yeah, so today we're talking about It's a Small World, Disney's very first water-based dark ride. Well, dark ride, I mean, it's not really dark, but I guess it still counts as a dark ride. <laughs> Just what an absolutely iconic attraction. I know there's a large group of folks out there who make a point to avoid this ride like the plague while they're at the parks. And it's mostly due to the earworm-inducing song, or because mm, they're looking for something more thrilling. Personally, however, I make a point to ride the ride at least once every time I visit, and I would recommend it to anybody who's visiting the parks for the first time to, you know, give it a shot. It's gorgeous, colorful, and crazy impressive with its elaborate sets and moving dolls. 
Next to Peter Pan's flight, this was my favorite ride as a kid. <laughs> Fun fact, my dad actually refuses to go on it these days because I made him ride it nine times in a row as a child. <laughs> sorry, dad. I'm not sorry. So let's dig into some of the fascinating history of this groundbreaking attraction. Like, so often our story begins in the United States. Created by Walt Disney and his talented team for the 1964 New York World's Fair, It's a Small World is one of the attractions that most embodies the spirit of Walt Disney and his life's work. Children of the World, as it was originally named, was created and designed by WED Enterprises, or Imagineering as we know it today. It was created for UNICEF's pavilion in the 1964 World's Fair and sponsored by Pepsi. Unlike the colorful facade we know and love today from Disney parks, its entrance featured a kinetic sculpture called the Tower of the Four Winds, which was a 120-foot perpetually spinning mobile created by WED designer Raleigh Crump. The quote-unquote small boat ride, as Walt referred to it back in the day, was added to the production repertoire of the other four attractions Disney was producing for the 1964 World's Fair. These included Magic Skyway for Ford, Great Moments with Mr. Lincoln for the State of Illinois, The Carousel of Progress for General Electric, and Circle Vision 360 for Kodak, all of which were already under development. The World's Fair attractions were used by Disney to sponsor, fund, and test concepts, develop ride systems, and innovate entertainment intended to be moved and rebuilt at Disneyland after the World's Fair closed in 1966. So, like, one of the earliest forms of beta testing. Really, It's a Small World was an afterthought and nearly didn't happen. Ford and General Electric had engaged Disney early on to create their pavilions for the 1964 World's Fair. WED Enterprises had already been developing a dancing doll designed to reproduce human movement. This research and development led to the early animatronic fashioned as Abraham Lincoln. When the state of Illinois approached Disney to create the Illinois Pavilion, representatives of the state instantly approved the attraction after being introduced to the robotic figurehead. I mean, it's insane. The first time anybody has ever seen a quality animatronic was at that moment, so (laughs) I would have approved it too. A nine widescreen Circle Vision 360 exhibit for Codex Pavilion was also in development and would act as a sort of next gen, you could say, <laughs> an improvement over the existing Disneyland 11 4 3 format screens in Circurama. Pepsi approached Disney with a plan to tribute UNICEF. As J.G. Mullaly, Ford's World's Fair program manager, stated, quote, Disney seemed to be the showman to give us the package we want. He's terrific. He's got his hands in more bowls than anyone I've ever seen, but he accomplishes what he sets out to do, end quote. Pepsi already had a close relationship with Disney thanks to their funding of the Golden Horse Show Review at Disneyland. The Pepsi board of directors took so long to agree on what type of attraction to sponsor that then-board member and actress Joan Crawford who was a widow of past company president Alfred Steele, called upon her longtime Hollywood friend Walt Disney to create an attraction that would be suitable for Pepsi. Because of the short lead time to design, create, and construct such an attraction, she insisted that the board of directors accept his proposal, seeing as he was already designing attractions for the previously mentioned state of Illinois for General Electric and Kodak. In total, WED Enterprises only had 11 months to design and build the pavilion. As veteran Imagineer Raleigh Crump said in Neil Gabler's definitive biography of Walt Disney, quote, We thought, little boat ride? 
We were working on Lincoln and the Carousel of Progress, both of which were using the highest technology and animatronic figures. And we were working on Ford 2, all of this, and Walt wanted to do a little boat ride, end quote. With minimal time available, Walt had to assign artists to the project, and quickly. Claude Coates, a background painter who eventually became part of WED, designed the routes the boats would take. Mark Davis, another animator turned Imagineer, known for his playful sense of humor and commitment to character, designed the attraction and served as art director. Alice Davis, his wife, made the costumes for the nearly identical dolls. Crump devised the abstract 120-foot mobilier structure called the Tower of the Four Winds, which would stand outside the pavilion and move gracefully with the passing breeze, <laughs> representing, in Walt's words, quote, the boundless energy of youth, end quote. But Walt was not too impressed with the initial design of the attraction and deemed the dolls charmless. Artist and illustrator Mary Blair, who had accompanied Walt on his influential World War II-era trip to South America, was brought in to rework the attraction. Blair had been an art director on several Disney animated features, including Cinderella, Alice in Wonderland, and Peter Pan. When it comes to choosing colors, Blair relied mainly on the Joseph Albers method, who was a German artist and art theorist. A little bit of interesting background on Albers is that his color theory states that colors are in a continual state of flux and can only be understood in relation to the other colors that surround them, making color one of the most relative mediums in art. How people see and interpret color is dramatically different between individuals. All colors have two key elements, brightness, which can be understood as the color intensity, and lightness, a light's intensity. And most importantly, experience is the greatest teacher of color. Example, an artist or designer like Mary Blair exploring color in the practice is much more important than studying color theory itself. Albert's color theory influenced Mary Blair's use of bold hues in her work, including It's a Small World. Raleigh Crump also designed the toys and other supporting elements on display. The animated dolls were designed and sculpted by Blaine Gibson. Walt was personally involved with Gibson's and Greg S. Manillo's development of the doll's facial design. Each doll's face is, interestingly enough, <laughs> completely identical in shape. This was most likely done to represent the unity that we're just one species, a human race, all together in one, which really underlines the message that It's a Small World is trying to get across of world peace and sticking together. The vibrant, multicolored backdrops were crafted out of paper mache, glitter, and fabric. Fun fact. Mary Blair decorated her hard hat with flowers and glitter during construction. I love that. Mary was living her extra, extra, extra life <laughs> work. Alice Davis oversaw the Disney seamstresses, who sued every inch of clothing to create an authentic portrayal of each nation's traditional attire. Over 300 doll outfits in all. Materials from the represented regions were used for the costumes, from silks for the Saris of India to fine wool for the Scottish bagpiper. Alice Davis recalls, quote, I asked Walt Disney how much I could spend, and he looked at me and cocked his eyebrow, like he did sometimes, and said, We don't think like that here. I want you to do whatever it takes to make these look like dolls every woman in the world would want to have, end quote. Composers Richard and Robert Sherman, who created the songs for Mary Poppins, The Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh, The Jungle Book, just to name a few, wrote the attraction's theme song. 
Its tentative soundtrack featured the national anthem of each country represented throughout the ride, all playing at once, which resulted in a true disharmonic cacophony. Can you imagine how that would sound, every single national anthem playing at the same time? Here's what Richard M. Sherman had to say about the situation. Quote, Again, we get a phone call. Wald needs you to go down to Soundstage 4 and take a look at the UNICEF ride. So we get down there and it's a room full of singing dolls. Only because each of the dolls is singing the national anthem of their own individual country. Well, it sounds just awful. So Walt turns to us and says, I need you guys to write a song that all these dolls can sing. A simple round. Nothing too preachy, but make it bouncy. And I needed this yesterday. This UNICEF salutes the children's attraction opens at the New York World's Fair in nine months. End quote. So I needed this yesterday is a pretty familiar saying to me personally. I'm guessing to a lot of you guys out there too. <laughs> so the Sherman brothers retreat to their office on the Disney lot and try to quickly come up with some sort of a tune. Richard Sherman recalls, quote, Now you have to remember that this was in the 1960s, at the height of the Cold War, a time when it seemed like we were always minutes away from blowing everything up. Which wouldn't be a very smart thing to do, because there's just one moon and one golden sun, and a smile means friendship to everyone. And just like that, that song flowed out of my brother and I. Its message is so simple and sincere. It's a small world after all. So let's be nice to one another and not blow each other up, <laughs> end quote. <laughs> but because It's a Small World came together so quickly, literally in the previously mentioned lunch hour, the brothers initially thought that the song was not really that great. They spent the rest of the afternoon trying to come up with alternative theme songs for the attraction. Back to Richard M. Sherman, quote, But now here comes Walt. We can hear his footsteps coming down the hallway. And my brother turns to me and says, Play the first one. I say, really? The simple one? And he says, yes. So as Walt walks into our office, I'm at the piano singing, It's a world of laughter, a world of tears, it's a world of hopes, and a world of fears. So Walt listens to the song and says, play it again. So I play it again. And Walt says, follow me. So we get in his car and drive over to Glendale, where we then play the song for the Imagineers. And they get all excited and start talking about how we can play it in a minor key during the Japanese and China section of the ride, so that the song then sounds authentically oriental. And nine months later, it's a small world. The Imagineers ditched that awful UNICEF salutes the children of the world name, which this attraction originally had in favor of our song's title. Opens at the 1964 World's Fair. And it's the hit of the fair. And nobody knew that the song was something that my brother and I wrote on the fly because Walt needed something yesterday. End quote. Robert J. Sherman, youngest son of Robert B. Sherman, stated that the It's a Small World theme song is the single most performed and most translated piece of music on earth. In 2014, it was estimated that the song had been played nearly 50 million times worldwide. And these figures only take the attractions into account. Which isn't really that surprising, given that it plays around 1,200 times on a single attraction during a 16-hour operating day at any Disney park. Aero Development and Bob Gurr were also deeply involved in the design of the passenger-carrying boats and propulsion system of the attraction. The ride system was so successful that Disney would work with Aero again for the Pirates of the Caribbean attraction. Let's take a look at an excerpt from the 1965 official guidebook to the New York World's Fair on It's a Small World. Quote, a salute to the children of the world, designed by Walt Disney, 
presents animated figures frolicking in miniature settings of many lands. Visitors are carried past the scenes in small boats. In an adjoining building, Pepsi sponsors exhibits by the U.S. Committee for the United Nations Children's Fund. Above the pavilion rises the 120-foot Tower of the Four Winds, a fanciful creation of colored shapes that dance and twist in the breeze. End quote. Initially, Pepsi was unimpressed with the result. They were unhappy that the attraction didn't feature the product enough. Although there were Pepsi refreshment centers and the large red letters reading quote-unquote Pepsi-Cola <laughs> above the attraction's entrance, It's a Small World was incredibly successful. 10 million 60 cent and 95 cent tickets for children and adults respectively were collected in two and a half year seasons. The proceeds were then donated to UNICEF. While many other attractions at the World's Fair had lines out the doors, there seemed to always be a seat available for It's a Small World. Its high rider per hour capacity was recognized as a valuable innovation that was incorporated into future attractions. In Disneyland Paris, Imagineers decided to return one of Walt's original but unused ideas. Imagineer Tom Morris explains, quote, The New York World's Fair version of It's a Small World did not contain interior walls. By eliminating them from our design, we enlarged the space and strengthened the idea of a world without borders. It's perhaps subconscious, but important. End quote. Another big difference that the Disneyland Paris version has to its overseas counterparts was the music. Musical arranger John Derby reorchestrated the music, which was also used for roughly a decade at the California version from the early 1990s to the early 2000s. Tom Morris again, quote, He added some counter melodies that further enhanced the song's appeal. The London Philharmonic Orchestra was enlisted to perform the new score, and I ended up falling in love with a song that I had perhaps previously underappreciated. End quote. Don Lewis went on a five-day fast-paced circuit through Europe, going to Italy, Germany, France, Spain, and the Netherlands to record the children's voices for the song. On the last day, the German customs officer were insisting that he put the soundtrack tapes through the x-ray machine, which would have erased all the voices on them. Don Lewis recalled the situation as, quote, The Gulf War had just ended, and it was very difficult to convince them not to x-ray the tapes, end quote. <laughs> In 2015, the score was refreshed to closer match the original from California, but more on that later. The Tower of the Four Winds was not relocated to Disneyland's It's a Small World after the New York World's Fair ended. Instead, an outdoor oval flume and boarding queue decorated with a topiary backed by a large flat facade with stylized cutout turrets, towers, and minarets, which are vaguely reminiscent of the world-famous landmarks like the Eiffel Tower and the Leaning Tower of Pisa. The facade was designed by Disney Imagineer Raleigh Crump, who was inspired by Mary Blair's styling. Walt asked Raleigh to design a large 30-foot clock, a central feature of the exterior facade, with a smiling face that rocks back and forth to a ticking sound. A parade of wooden dolls in their native culture costumes dance out from the doors at the base of the Small World clock to an instrumental toy soldier version of It's a Small World After All, in preparation for each quarter hour, reminiscent of a European automaton clock. As the last doll returns into the clock, the parade doors close and the large central pair of doors open to reveal two giant toy blocks. The large block displays stylized numerals of the hour, the small one displays the minutes, while the large and the small bells told to count the hours and the quarters. The exterior has been subtly repainted over the years, first all white with the gold silver trim, then in various shades of blue, then in pink and white with pastel accents, 
Portions of the left side of the original facade were removed in 1993 to make room for the entrance to Mickey's Toontown. As of 2015, the facade, and we're talking about the version of Disneyland California here, is white with a gold trim as it was in 1966. Except the original gold and silver paint of the clock, the smiling clock face, is now entirely gold leaf. The attraction at Disneyland Paris is a departure from other iterations of the attraction. The facade features a stronger color palette because Imagineers wanted a color contrast against the gray skies that occur often in Paris. In addition, the landmarks were rearranged and slightly redesigned. This is most noticeable when taking the design of the clock tower into account. The facade of It's a Small World in Disneyland Paris was primarily inspired by Dutch artist and illustrator Anton Peck, especially his work in children's books. The exterior clock face features a wide-awake sun on its left half and a sleeping moon on its right half. Unlike all the other versions of the ride, like we previously talked about, every scene is housed in one room with arches being used to define the sections of the ride. The scenery design is a complete departure from Blair's distinctive style, though the dolls used remain identical to the other versions. Paris was the first version of the ride to incorporate a scene for North America, with dolls representing Canada and the United States. Also notable is the Middle Eastern section with dolls singing in Arabic. During the finale in Paris, the song can be heard in English, French, and German. The attraction used to have a post-show area called World Chorus that was sponsored by Francis Telecom. The post-show area opened with the park in 1992 and closed in 2010 to make way for the Princess Pavilion meet-and-greet area. During the ongoing plan to refurbish several attractions for the park's 25th anniversary, back in 2015, the Paris version of It's a Small World went under an extensive refurbishment for six months. The refurbishment included a fresh color scheme for the facade, identical to the color scheme used on opening day, restored assets and special effects, refurbished boats, new LED lighting, and the restoration and replacement of all moving dolls. The entrance and exit rooms have also been redesigned. They are now identical to the entrance scene in Hong Kong Disneyland's version and the exit scene in the Magic Kingdom, which more closely resemble Mary Blair's style. The soundtrack was also remastered. Bass instrumentals were removed from the majority of the ride's audio, except the finale, aligning the soundtrack closer to the original attraction. New audio tracks were also added, including a new yodeling segment for the Switzerland scene. The attraction opened with the park on April 12, 1992. It features 281 audio animatronic dolls, 48 toys, and 247 animated accessories. It was sponsored by France Telecom from 1992 until 2008 and is currently sponsored by Osram and boasts a ride-through duration of 10 minutes and 30 seconds. So a good tip to remember here is that during the Christmas season at Disneyland Paris, the It's a Small World attraction gets a dramatic Christmas makeover. Decorations are added to the ride, and when you pass through certain regions, you can hear the dolls singing Deck the Halls and Jingle Bells. If you keep your eyes peeled, you might even spot Santa and his reindeer flying high above the landmarks. <laughs> Listener questions. Today's question comes from Corey. Hi, Eric. I'm planning on going to Disneyland in May. Oh, fun. Sounds like a great time to go. And was wondering if guests at the Disneyland Hotel still get that extra single-use fast pass. Hey, Corey. Thank you so much for that wonderful question. Now, what Corey is referring to here is that guests at the Disneyland Hotel, on top of the regular park fast passes, received an extra one on top of that. Sadly, this is no longer the case. I'm sorry to say. So unless you're staying at a Castle Club level room where you get the VIP or unlimited fast pass, 
you no longer get that extra fast pass in regular rooms. Sorry, Corey, that I couldn't deliver better news. But thank you so much for that wonderful question. I'm sure a lot of listeners were wondering about the same thing because the website really isn't very clear about it. If you have any questions regarding Disneyland Paris, or you'd just like to get in touch with us, you can find us on Twitter at NowDisneyland and on Instagram under Disneyland underscore Paris underscore now. Please make sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or whatever the platform of your choice is, and leave a rating and a review of what you'd like to hear next. Thank you to WDWNT.com, TheDLPGeek.com, DisneylandParis.com, LewisAppenfold.com, JimHillMedia.com, OhMyDisney.com, ABC.com, TheEnchantedManner.com, DLPTips.com, Dine-DLLP.E, The Book Disney A to Z, and The Book Disneyland Paris from Sketch to Reality, all of which were the excellent sources for the information compiled in this episode of the podcast. Thank you for joining me today for Air Magique. This is Eric Anderson. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Air Magique is an unofficial podcast made with love and is not affiliated with the Walt Disney Company or any of its subsidiaries.